Hello, and welcome to the Jill Cruz Podcast. Today, I spoke with my colleague, Christina Veselak. Christina is a psychotherapist who specializes in addiction recovery, and she's also a mental health nutritionist. So in this conversation, we talked about convergence of both of these things, mental health, psychotherapy with nutrition. And so that's what she does, and she specializes in helping people in recovery. So whatever kind of recovery that is, drug addiction, alcohol, gambling, could be sugar addiction. So that's her approach, and it's very effective. And she actually trains nutritionists in how to use amino acid therapy to help clients as well. So she's been around doing this for a long time, and uh, you're going to learn some interesting, very, very interesting things about cravings and addiction and, you know, what they have to do with each other and how a lot of times in recovery, people relapse because the brain is not being fueled properly. We're talking about feeding the brain properly and all that has to go along with that. So you're going to learn some very useful information for yourself, especially if you do have cravings. And if you or anybody you know is in recovery or relapsing and and really struggling with that, then you're also going to want to listen to this carefully. And um, it's a great conversation and and the information that we talk about is just so important. So it's basic, but it's it's foundational, but it's, it's very powerful and not really something that a lot of people are talking about. Hello, Christina, and welcome to the podcast today. Thanks, Jill. I'm really excited to be here and to explore some wonderful topics with you. Yes, me too. I We met at the American Nutrition Association Conference in September, and I was blown away by everything that you and I talked about. So I know you have a lot of really, really interesting information that's very valuable, that's not out there in the, you know, the mass media. So I'm super excited that we're going to talk about this stuff. So the first thing that I want to talk about with you is the idea that you've talked to me about around feeding the recovering brain. What does that mean? And why is it important? (laughs) All right. Great question. So I am a licensed psychotherapist. I've been a psychotherapist for 40 years, working in the addiction recovery field for 40 years, but I'm also a mental health nutritionist. And so I've been combining or integrating mental health nutrition into my work as a psychotherapist, helping my clients heal from mental health issues and trauma, et cetera, as well as helping people recover from addictive disorders. Mm-hmm. And I found that once I brought in the nutrition piece, people's recovery just like very quickly reached another level. Mm. And this is true whether they were struggling with trauma or depression and anxiety or, you know, substance use disorder or sugar or an eating disorder, that it all went more smoothly and happened faster if they were eating properly and feeding their brain the nutrients their brains needed to function optimally. 
Okay. Wow. That's a very, very powerful combination. And being a nutritionist, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can appreciate that. And it's so smart. You're a psychotherapist and you're going, hmm, you know, I'm helping people with this work that I'm doing, but is there something else I can do? Oh, nutrition. Well, I don't know if that's what went through your mind, but you know, that's... It's it's it makes so much sense. Well, what I really noticed is I started asking my clients like in session if they were really emotional and couldn't focus in on the work they were supposed to do in the session. I'd stop them and I'd say, by the way, when was the last time you ate protein today Mm -hmm. or have you eaten today? And invariably with those clients, they'd look at me blankly and say, so it's three o'clock in the afternoon, they'll Mm. say, well, I had eggs for breakfast at seven o'clock this morning, or, you know, something else that indicated that they were in a hypoglycemic low, that their blood sugar was really low. Well, what that means, Jill, when our blood sugar drops, adrenaline kicks in. A lot of people don't realize that. But adrenaline is brought in to raise blood sugar levels so that we don't die, okay? But it does other things as well. And it dysregulates us tremendously. So I'm one of these few counselors out there where I will feed my clients in session. Nice. And I have some wonderful stories, some really dramatic stories, but just, you know, they're, they're all dysregulated or really angry or really tearful or really craving. And I feed them protein. And 20 minutes later, I have them check in with themselves. And invariably, they're calmer, they're more grounded, and they're now able to actually think through their issues rather than just react. Wow, that's incredible. It happens fast. That fast. That fast. And so from there, I started asking that question of people with addictive disorders, like I used to specialize in working with people with chronic relapse. What does that mean? People who really wanted to stay clean and sober or off sugar or stop gambling or, right? And they're going to meetings or they're going to treatment programs and it's just not sticking. Mm. And they really care and they're trying really hard And they keep going round and round and round again. Mm -hmm. And they feel like failures. Yeah. You know, no matter how hard I try, it's not working. So I ask those people, well, when was the last time you ate protein prior to your last craving or your last slip or your Mm -hmm. last domestic violence outburst? And they say, yesterday? Okay, they have to stop and think about it. Mm-hmm. And then we talk more and I find out that the people who are having the hardest time making their treatment efforts stick are the ones who just can't be bothered with eating. Mm-hmm. It's not that they have a full-blown eating disorder. Mm-hmm. It's not that they're not eating to get thin or for control. They just can't be bothered. Nobody's ever taught them that it matters. Maybe nobody's ever taught them how to cook, and so they're dependent on fast food. Maybe they're really busy, you know, all sorts of reasons. But it turns out that the people having the hardest time with recovery are those who don't eat, don't eat consistently, eat really highly processed food. In other words, they have a starving brain. Mm. 
Wow. And once I get those people eating and they say, look, rule of thumb, eat 20 grams of protein every four waking hours. So basically four times a day. Premenstrual women, we need to eat more like three times a day, uh, every three hours rather than every four hours. There's some reasons for that. And the moment these people start doing that, Jill, everything changes. It's like they've been trying to sit on a three-legged stool with only two legs, Mm. right? You just topple over. But once you bring in that third leg, all of a sudden they can breathe, they can think, they can utilize the skills they're learning in their their treatment, in their self-help groups. They can even pray better. Wow. And that's what I mean by feeding the recovering brain. So when you say the recovering brain, now, I think a lot of people listening, when we hear the term in recovery, we think Mm -hmm. of alcohol, let you mention some, right? Drugs, alcohol, gambling, but you also mentioned cravings. Mm-hmm. And I think that was where you and I had a really good conversation because I typically am not working with people who are, if they are, have, you know, a history of alcoholism or drug addiction, they're, they're well beyond right. that and they're fully in recovery. So, you know, I was thinking, well, you know, for my clients, you know, it's, it's cravings, right? Well, so it's cravings for sugar, for sugar, rather right. than cravings for alcohol or cocaine or see all they've done to is switched addictions. Mm -hmm. People switch addictions in early recovery from anything because neurotransmitters are very depleted. Right. Very depleted. So it's part of what I mean by a starving brain. And when our neurotransmitters are depleted, they cause depression, anxiety, agitation, but they also cause cravings for any substance or behavior that's going to have a mood-altering effect. Mm-hmm. That's going to fire those neurotransmitters and therefore make us feel better in the moment. Well, sugar's everywhere. Yeah. Highly processed foods everywhere. It's so easy to make the shift. And now we're tethered to that. Right. And so I'm glad I, that that's why I wanted to bring this up because when I first was like, well, you know, cravings are different. No, you know, cravings are cravings are craving, right? So I, that's why I asked you that question because I really wanted to emphasize the point that many people may not categorize themselves as being in, you know, oh, well, you know, I'm not an alcoholic. Right. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't have an addiction. It's just, you know, I just eat too much sugar and I, you know, you know, and it's normal. Like I actually had an experience, which really, I think ultimately led me to the work that I do now. And I was addicted to eating ice cream every night. Mm -hmm. I mean, every night, like for seven years, I ate ice cream every night and, you know, I gained weight, but I was having babies and they were little and I wasn't paying attention to how all of, I was basically disconnected. Exactly. And yeah. And then, you know, even, even after I stopped eating the ice cream and I replaced it with pretzels and other things, it took me still years before I realized that it was an addiction Mm -hmm. because I, you know, that language just felt like it didn't apply to me. So the, you know, I think this is, it's important to frame this properly, I think, so that people understand what we're dealing with. Not just because someone eats sugar, I think, doesn't mean that they're addicted, but there are a lot of people who, who are. That's right. And, and we could talk about sort of what the definition of addiction is. 
But mm-hmm. I don't think it really matters because I'm really concerned about any behavior that is causing concern to somebody mm-hmm. or any mental health symptom that's of concern to somebody that no matter what they do, they can't seem to shift. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, that no matter what we do, we can't seem to shift a behavior, we can't seem to shift a negative thinking pattern or an emotional pattern that's destructive, that's where we need to look at the brain. Now, as a counselor, I was taught that if anything has to do with the brain, you immediately schlep your client off to a psychiatrist to be put on medication. Right. Period, flat out, end of story, no gray area, no other option. Mm. And my colleagues in school are still being taught this today, which is so tragic because it's so wrong. It's so wrong. It's ignoring the fact that our brain, just like any other organ in our body, requires specific nutrients to function optimally. Mm -hmm. We know what those nutrients are. We know how our brain fails us when it's not getting those nutrients and how it supports us when we are. And it is actually as simple as that, as a foundation. It may get a little more complicated down the road if there's other medical issues going on that need to be addressed. But the foundation, Jill, is that our brain needs specific nutrients to function well. You know, my motto is, it's our brain's job to allow us to cope with stress gracefully. Not lovely. I love it. Yeah. But to do that, it needs to be fed optimally. Mm -hmm. And that's never been part of the mental health nor the addiction recovery community conversation at all, ever. And this is why I'm passionate about getting the word out. Yeah. So you recently did a seven day protein challenge? I did on Facebook. So a year ago, I started a nonprofit organization. Eating protein saves lives because what we found is that if missing a meal sets people up for relapse, which Mm -hmm. we found it does, eating protein every four hours turns that around. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to raise the money to get this information out into the world to make it part of the conversation. And as part of that, about a month ago, we did a Facebook challenge online eat protein um, every four hours for seven days and see what changes in your life. And it was wonderfully successful. We've had something like 3,000 people listen to the recording so far. Wow. And you can go onto our website and access that. But Mm -hmm. from that, we created something that's never been done before, as far as I can tell. We've started a free online self-help meeting called feeding recovery network to support people in changing up their diets for whatever reason they need to, for changing up their physical self-care for whatever reasons they need to, improving sleep, getting the right type of exercise in, eating for your metabolic and personal type. So we're not saying you have to eat this way. We're Mm -hmm. saying here are the principles and now apply them to your own personal circumstance. And so we now have a weekly recovery meeting on Monday nights. 
We are just about to start another one on Wednesday morning and looking for facilitators actually all around the world to start these meetings. There, we have a particular format that seems to be working. Mm-hmm. It's an hour and a half meeting, and there's both information but also a chance to ask questions, work on your own um, feeding recovery issues, you know, where you're stuck or where you need support. And so we're getting people from um, a variety of, of backgrounds with a variety of needs. And it's really exciting because this just doesn't exist out there in the world. Yeah. What What is the, um, I, I'm, I think that when people listen, they'll go, okay, protein. Well, what's protein? Because <laughs> not everybody knows, as I'm sure you know. <laughs> That's true. I, I, in fact, had one client look at me really quizzically and say, okay, well, Apples have protein, right? And I said, well, you know, apples are really good food. And yes, I do think you should have an apple a day, but you don't have a ton of protein in them. Right. Okay. We're really looking at other foods for our protein sources. And so that includes, of course, your animal proteins, the ones we're most familiar with, mm-hmm. your meat, fish, eggs, milk products, you know, your seafood, whether they be clams or squid or octopus, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In some cultures, um, yeah. these are all wonderful sources of protein. And what's great about them is that they tend to contain a lot of the cofactors we need, the vitamin B12, the biotin, other things that our brains also need to function well, mm-hmm. the zinc, but they contain a lot of the amino acids that specifically build our mood-mediating neurotransmitters. So that's important. Mm-hmm. But there's other sources of these amino acids as well. You just have to sort of get more. They're not mm-hmm. as concentrated as they are in your animal proteins. And your, your beans, your nuts, your seeds, you know, some of your grains, you can do it that way if you're careful and you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I was just, I was just thinking that people might not know that. So you did this challenge and out of that grew the feeding recovery network. Mm-hmm. And, and I love the name eating protein saves lives. I, I actually remember when I saw your table at the conference, I saw a button or something. It said eating protein saves lives. And I was like, who's that? I want to know <laughs> this person, you know, <laughs> because it's funny because I've been you know, I've been encouraging our clients for many years to focus in on their macronutrients, the proteins, mm-hmm. fats, and fiber. And I, I usually say protein, yeah. fat, and fiber. You know, if you eat fi- enough fiber, you're getting enough carbs. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the way I think of it. It's not the, always the other way around. You can eat a lot of carbs and not enough fiber. But it's been a very powerful thing that we do right away early on is to help people forget about removing cookies or cake or forget about that right now. Yeah. Just bring in the nourishment. Bring in the good stuff first. Exactly. And it feels expansive, you know, because most people are used to nutritionists telling them, well, you can eat this and you can eat that and you should eat this. And it's like, no, just what can you incorporate into your daily life? But, you know, it's funny because I always have thought about it mostly from a satiation, satiety perspective, right? Right. Like, like I've noticed when people eat more protein, they have less cravings and they're less hungry and they, you know, they, they tend to make better choices. So it was really, that was really the main driver 
But, you know, there's also this this deeper, much deeper level, much more sort of foundational level, yeah. right? If you're, if you're kind of re, you know, you use the word, I think, I don't know if you use the word refeeding, but I don't know why I'm, that is coming to my mind right now. But you're kind of like if someone has been depleted of these neurotransmitters mm-hmm. for 20 years or 10 yeah. years or whatever it is, you're really replenishing stockpiles that that have been depleted. So this is a, yes, it's the short, fast, quick return, but it's also in the long run going to help overall. Yes. I mean, I think about it as foundational. So Mm -hmm. yes, eating protein can make you feel better within 20 minutes. And if you keep doing it, it's going to transform your life in the long run and not just your physical life, right? Not just losing weight or having more muscle or having more energy, but this is the connection that so many people don't make. When we get more protein into our lives, we have less depression, less anxiety. We sleep better and we have less cravings for substances that aren't so good for us. And this, this happens, you know, almost, almost across the board. And it's miraculous. And this is why I called it eating protein saves lives. Because Mm -hmm. my heart's breaking. Did did you know that over 100,000 people died of drug overdose last year alone? Last year alone. Teenagers are dying from, you know, overusing Xanax. We have fentanyl and heroin overdose. We have meth overdose. We've got, you know, people dying from alcohol poisoning. You put it all together, and last year alone, it was 100,000 people. Well, that's way, way too many people, if you Mm -hmm. ask me. And while some of these people have never had treatment, a lot of them have. And they're the people that keep going round and round and round because it's not working. Yeah. And it's because for many of them, maybe not all, they have the starving brain. So eating protein saves lives. Yeah. And I don't think that included in that number is probably maybe several hundred thousand. I have no idea, but many more people who die indirectly, right? Suicide. Suicide, doing things that are stupid, (laughs) like, you know, driving, driving too fast. You know, it's, it's recorded as a car accident, but why was that person driving 80 miles an hour or whatever, you know? So I think there's a lot, we could even include, that's probably not included in that is all of the people who, uh, you know, eat themselves to death for lack of a better way of saying it, right? Like, you know, poor eating habits year after year after year leading to, type 2 diabetes and you know so there's and it's not only mortality it's morbidity right like all of the damaged exactly. lives exactly. the families and loved ones of those people like it's just it's it's way more than 100,000 it's way more than 100,000 very very quick story here i had a woman 64 years old overweight uncontrolled type 2 diabetes non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and kidney disease mhm She sits down and says, I'm going to need years of counseling for my emotional eating. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, well, we'll see. Um, (laughs) Well, she said, I've been a compulsive overeater for 30 years. I've been to doctors. I've been to OA. I've done everything and nothing has worked. I said, okay, what do you compulsively overeat? Potato chips. 
Mm-hmm. So I looked at her three-day food diary, and yeah, pretty much of the last three days, she ate potato chips and vanilla ice cream and two deep-fried chicken legs, okay? This is the definition of a starving brain. Mm-hmm. And so my heart, my heart broke for her, and I said, look, how about we don't take anything away from you? You can keep eating your potato chips and your vanilla ice cream. Mm-hmm. Let's just add a few things. So I told her about the 20 grams of protein every four hours, and we figured out how to make that happen. I told her that the FDA says we should have between six to nine servings of fruits and veggies a day. So we brainstormed about how to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And she had a little bit of hope. And she came back the next week beaming. She had not had one potato chip nor one bowl of ice cream the entire week. And she was so excited. Yeah. And then she came back the next week and she was despondent. I said, what happened? She said, well, I did great until last night. And then at 10 o'clock last night, I had this craving. It came out of the blue. And by the way, cravings don't ever come out of the blue. Mm-hmm. And she said, I had to go to the store and I bought two big bags of potato chips and ate them at 1030 at night. I said, well, tell me about the rest of your day. Did you have breakfast? Yes. Did you have lunch? Yes. Did you have your mid-afternoon snack? No. Mm-hmm. Did you have dinner? Well, when I got home from work, I was really exhausted because she'd missed her afternoon snack. Mm-hmm. And I went to bed and I woke up, you know, two hours later at 7.30 and I was really anxious. Okay, blood sugar dropped, adrenaline kicked in mm-hmm. about all the work I hadn't done. And so I went right to my computer and I worked straight until 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, as she's telling me this story, her eyes are getting bigger and bigger. And she said, oh, <laughs> I was hungry, wasn't I? I said, yeah, you were hungry. Wow. I love that. Well, that's a great example. Oh my Isn't gosh. That, it is. It's, it's, it's easy to fall back into these old patterns, you it know, is. but yeah. Oh gosh. I love that. You know, I, I hope that people listening really, really take to heart this story, this description that, um, you know, until it really is very habitual, we have to be more diligent about making sure that, you know, like really, really committing to that. Like, I, it's funny because I noticed this years and years ago that if I didn't eat enough protein at lunch, uh-huh. that at night after dinner, you know, I ate less protein at lunch and then I ate my dinner, which had protein. But even with that, I would have cravings at night. So I'm very, very particular about this because I've told you my history of this nighttime cravings, you know, addiction that I had. I'm really committed to not having that be a problem for me. So I have to be diligent even to this day. Now, the good news is it's a habit for me. So it's, it's easy. You know, I don't, I don't forget. It's just sometimes it doesn't happen because occasionally it doesn't happen. And I notice when it does, but so the good news is this is not rocket science. This is not unpleasant, you know, and anybody can do it. Even if you're a vegetarian, you, you, maybe if you're a vegetarian or a vegan eater, you need to have more information, but this is, yeah, anybody can do it. And, you know, people, I, you know, I have some personal experience, family, friends with addiction, drug addiction, you know, that's, that's difficult because the lifestyle can be very, I don't know. How, Lacking how to in self-care. 
Yeah, thank you. Yes. (laughs) Right. You know, erratic, uh, staying up all night, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. So I think that's, you know, provides an an additional layer of challenge, but it's, it's not impossible. It's not impossible. It's, you know, protein is accessible, even if, like you said, you know, it's a fried chicken leg. (laughs) Yeah, it's something, right? Or protein, (laughs) you know, a protein shake, protein powders. Mm -hmm. You know, all of these are stopgap measures that work. And then sometimes, though, Jill, we need to go to what I call purified food. Mm -hmm. And these are supplements. Mm -hmm. And so, for instance, the amino acid L-glutamine, if you've gone outside that three to four hour protein window, your blood sugar is dropping, adrenaline is kicking in, there's no food, real food right there. You don't want to eat the crap food. You can take a thousand milligrams of glutamine mm-hmm. and it will carry you over. It will feed your prefrontal cortex, will carry you over until you get access to the real food. Mm. Yeah. Okay? Very nice. And then there's other amino acids which come from the protein that um, you know, we eat, but you can buy them over the counter. Things like tyrosine or 5-HTP or GABA or, you know, uh, theanine. Mm-hmm. that actually will get to your brain within 20 minutes, quickly be used by that neurotransmitter system to make more neurotransmitter in the moment, mm-hmm. but then gradually rebuild the system over time if you keep taking the amino acid. And you can have a mood shift in the right direction within 10 to 20 minutes of taking one of these amino acids. Mm-hmm. We can turn off a craving Um, within 20 minutes by taking one of these amino acids. We can decrease anxiety or depression or suicidal impulse even within 20 minutes by taking one of these amino acids. They're very, very powerful to the point that I actually started a school seven years ago to teach practitioners how to use these supplements as well as diet in their practice with their own clients. Yeah, yeah, I'm aware. I actually uh, have a call someone who uh, did your program and, and raves raves about it. A nutritionist. So I I want to begin to wrap it up, but I I want to say first of all, for someone listening, please do not go out on your own and take supplements. Speak with someone who knows what they're doing. There are a lot of poor quality supplement products out there, and you know, you mentioned some things like 5-HTP, you know, we have, we can't just throw these things around. I'm not saying that you're doing that, but I'm just, I'm giving that warning to the world that's listening. That's why I train coaches. Right. That's why I train, you know, people to become expert in amino acid therapy to help your listeners and the ordinary person do it right. Right. Because there can be, you know, potentially side effects, but I will just make a little plug for L-theanine, which I've been a huge fan of for many, many years, and it, it does work very rapidly. I, I always have L-theanine with me, and usually I take it when I travel as well. And all I need, you know, if I feel a little anxious, a little off, a little like, you know, that adrenaline kind of rush, mm-hmm. I take one and it's like magic. It's like magic. and i'm like wow you know the world needs to know about l-theanine as far as i know i don't know if there are contra indications because i haven't taken your course but (laughs) 
I, I take, I take theanine before meeting with my accountant. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I have a funny story real quick, because I know we have to end, but my daughter, uh, who was 19, 18 or 19 at the time, she was going through a breakup and she was up late at night fighting with him on the phone and stuff. And it woke me up. So I went into her room. It was like probably three or four in the morning. And she was very agitated, very. And she just, she was pacing, you know, she, she was just so agitated and upset. And so I said to her, I said, you know, I have some pills for you. Not the first time she's heard that, those words from her mother. But, uh, and I, so I gave her like, basically like, I think like 800 to 1000 milligrams of L-theanine. And she had been like, you know, very, very agitated for about 15, 20 minutes. And is pretty much very rapidly after I gave it to her, she sat down. And then she started her, she started to get like sleepy. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and then she was, theanine, by the way, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> yes. For the listeners, please do not do this at home. It's just, just for you know about this stuff. But so she, and then she got in bed and she fell asleep. Yeah. And because uh, I've used L-theanine myself if I've struggled with sleep in the past. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, so it can do that as well. But it was so rapid and so profound. And it was funny because she's yeah. she's in bed and she's like, OK, I, you know, I'm feeling better. And I said, I think it's the, the, the pills I gave you. And she's like, no, <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> she funny. didn't want to believe me. But, you know, these and this is an right. example, again, not to be done on your own, to be done under the care of somebody who knows what they're doing about these amino acids, but they really, really work and they're very powerful. And and in the case, especially of people who, like you said, you know, have maybe lacking in self-care because of other a lot of other issues going on, this type of strategy can be another tool that you exactly. use, right? It, yes. It's sort of like jumping, jump-starting mm-hmm. your neurotransmitter systems. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, Christina, thank you so much for spending time with me today. I I love what you're doing so much. I, I really have a lot of respect for you. I love the fact that you're melding the two worlds together of psychotherapy and nutrition. It's like kind of like a no-brainer. You know, it's like fitness and nutrition. Mm-hmm. Should be. They, yeah. they, they, these things all all are so interconnected. So thank you for being here. And you know, I'll put your information in the show notes and, and talk a little bit about that. And I look yeah. forward to chatting with anybody who wants to reach out to me. That's wonderful. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Thank you, Christina. You're welcome, Jill. Thank you. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Christina Veselek, an incredible practitioner merging the world of mental health as a psychotherapist and nutrition as a mental health nutritionist. Awesome stuff. If you want to learn more about Christina, first of all, I recommend checking out her foundation, which is eatingproteinsaveslives.org. And that will be in the show notes. Support this organization. They do have the seven-day challenge that we talked about and also the Feeding Recovery Network meetings that Christina talked about. So that's a great source of support for you or someone you know. And also, Christina has her academy. It's the Academy for Addiction and Mental Health Nutrition. The link for that will be in the show notes. Check her out, follow her on Facebook and that sort of thing, because she's just she has a ton of information that's very valuable. Thank you for listening to that. And also, I want to remind you that we, as always, we do have the Love Challenge. 
which is an ongoing challenge that you can join at any time. And it gives you tools that you can use to practice self-love because we were not taught how to practice self-love, right? So throughout the 12 days of this challenge, you're going to get those, there's videos, there's resources for you and specific practices, little simple steps that you can take and it, it's really like kind of a low-key challenge. <laughs> it won't take a lot of your time, but it'll take some of your thought processes and practicing these kind of internal behavioral thoughts type of stuff. So it's really cool and simple and, I, and you're going to get a lot out of it. So join us there. We do have a community. You know, just like Christina has created community, we have two because we need that. As human beings, we need that interaction, that support, seeing what other people are doing and supporting others and then getting the support that we need. So join us there on our Mighty Networks platform and do the love challenge with us. Thanks for listening.